0: good morning i'm sana and you're listening to let's grab coffee on wyxr 91.7 fm every monday morning i'm joined by experts from across the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and common curiosities over the next hour you'll learn about their inspirations motivations and of course what they know about the world around us so grab that cup of coffee and get ready for a fun and insightful conversation Now, one thing that Memphis is known for is its Memphis in May International Festival. But what you may not know is how this festival came to be. The story is more than just (laughs) music, barbecue, and fun, but it speaks to the history of the city and also downtown Memphis. To talk more about that, this morning, I'm joined by Lyman Aldrich, the Chairman Emeritus of the Memphis in May International Festival. Mr. Aldrich is Executive Vice President of International Advisory Services at Cushman and Wakefield, where his focus is to develop business opportunities with international companies in the Mid South region. In 2012, Mr. Aldrich was inducted into the Bill Street Walk of Fame and was awarded a brass note on Bill Street. In November of 2015, the Memphis City Council honored Mr. Aldrich by naming Wagner Street in downtown at Bill Street, Lyman Aldrich Lane. Welcome, Mr. Lyman Aldridge. I'm so excited to have you here with us this morning.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, I was so excited when and I have to say thank you to my colleague, Kurt, for putting us um, in contact with one another. Because first of all, who doesn't love Memphis in May? And <laughs> second of all, to be able to talk to you about the history, and really how you kind of created and led a group of really innovative and inspiring young people um, to create what is now known around the world. So it was such an
1: honor to have you. Well, it's 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 really a pleasure to talk about it, to think about what we all did to come together in the city that was just in terrible shape after Dr. King's assassination. Mm-hmm. So, I can I can start with uh, right after the King assassination is what I like to do to to tell you about where we were at that period of time—is that where you'd like me to start?
0: Yes, that would be perfect if you could kind of set the scene for us. What what Memphis was like, and kind of how this group of folks came together.
1: Well, Memphis was in such bad shape after the King assassination. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gentleman came in from Atlanta, followed him around the country, and then decided to take his life in our city. Mm-hmm. Now it wasn't Atlanta that uh, had paid all the the uh, the price for it it was Memphis that has paid the price all these years. So what happened in downtown uh, was a just a vacating of of most of the streets in downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a city that Time Magazine called a, a decaying backwater river town. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great to have your city <laughs> known as a decaying? It was just dismal. Uh, Tourism, you know, what's that? There wasn't any tourism uh, after that happened. And lousy reputation. The Peabody went broke, sold on the courthouse steps. Did you know that?
0: I knew that, yeah. Uh,
1: went broke for several, several years. The Orpheum Theater was running X-rated movies.
0: Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine, yes. I have, I have
1: I have I have pictures of the marquee, Sooner.
0: Wow. And then,
1: and as you know, Beale Street closed.
0: Right. Yeah. It,
1: um, it was only one store open, and that was A. Schwab's, everything else closed. And then uh, bef- then it just was vacant land all the way around uh, uh, what we know as Beale Street now. There were only three blocks from second down to fourth, and those were the only blocks that there were. And then all the things that you see around there, the FedEx form and so forth were built, of course, at way after that.
0: <laughs> right. Way, way so, after.
1: Way I mean, for, after
0: For folks Pardon? listening, you know, that's a big difference than how we think about downtown now. You know, with all the new developments downtown and and you know how populated it is. You know, I love that you're setting this picture for us of a place that was as you said, vacant. It was desolate. No one was, you know, no one wanted to be down there. Um, And it was really not what we think about downtown today at all.
1: Well, um, there's one of our historians, his name was Jimmy Ogle. He left Memphis a couple of years ago. And he said, Lyman, when you all started Memphis in May, there were more people living in the jail than the rest of downtown. Oh, Now we have 30,000 people living downtown and there have been about $20 billion of investment down here since um, about since 1977, Mm. you know, all those things took place. And so we were just bereft of anything positive downtown, except maybe for the rendezvous. It was the (laughs) only restaurant that was open at night and it was just, it's just a wonderful place, as you know. Oh, yeah. So, and of course, all of it did happen, you know, with the assassination of Dr. King. Uh, but let me set up a little bit before that, if you don't mind, a few years. I mean, it was after King, but before the, the renovation started back, mm-hmm. it kind of gives you a, a how I got to know some people that I brought in to the first diverse board uh, in Memphis. Yes. And it goes back to... a, a an organization called, um, I think it was Memphis NFL. A gentleman by the name of Ned Cook wanted an NFL team here in 1970, and I was this new kid in town. And, and I tried to help them market it and sell tickets
0: mm-hmm.
1: to the game for the for the so the exhibition games that they would have during uh, the summertime, the end of the summertimes. Mm-hmm. And so I got to meet uh, several people in the African American community. I was, of course, involved with a bunch of young white guys and gals. And, you know, we were involved with um, all kinds of things that young people in their early 20s get involved with. But then you get thrown into a group of uh, an opportunity to meet new people, different people, people from all over the city that just wanted to go and sit and watch a ball game. Well, that's how I met a guy by the name of Harold Shaw, uh, an African American. And that was one of the executives at Universal Life Insurance Company. Uh, it was just the third largest black insurance company in America, it was wow. downtown. And his wife was Pat, Shaw, Pat Walker Shaw. <clears throat> and I got to meet Harold and, um, and George Brown, who's an attorney and on the school board. And then he uh, ended up being appointed the first African-American Supreme Court justice. In the state by Lamar Alexander, this was in the seven or it was probably the early eighties when that happened. So uh, got to meet those guys. Lawrence Blackman was one of those. Bobby Welch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I'd see him around town, but you know we didn't we didn't get a wonderful friendship. Uh, but there was always it was friendly, mm-hmm. and we enjoyed talking with each other. But we didn't we weren't involved. Uh, Socially, let me yeah. say that. So when it, when um, this whole Memphis and May thing came about, it was in 1974. I was part of an organization called the Memphis Cotton Carnival. Mm-hmm. It's an all-white organization. Um, I got involved because I was new in town and I didn't know anybody. And it was a way they, they, they gave these great parties. And then they asked me to be on their board and be the events committee chairman and and i got to see that part of it and and what i tried to get them to do is maybe change let's try to open it up to more people as far as the community was concerned well about that time it was back 1974 there was a new organization that the chamber of commerce was putting together uh, and it was called the memphis and in may international festival society mm. And it was built off of the Edinburgh Festival in, in Scotland.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a month long festival, fabulous things that they do. soon. Um, we went, I finally went with the family about 20 years, 15, 20 years ago. And it was just a magnificent thing to be, to be made after. We never reached those heights, but we, we sure have gone a long way from where we were. So this guy came back and said, you know, why don't we try to do this? And at the time, there was the St. Jude Shower of Stars. The Metropolitan Opera came through town during that period of time. And there was the golf tournament and Cotton Carnival and and the Cotton Makers Jubilee. And there were a few things going on. The idea was to try to add as many events to May as they possibly could. Mm -hmm. Well, now think about that. That was 1974. King had been assassinated in '68. And it, 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 was a, it was a deserted downtown. It was a poor downtown. It was a chamber of commerce that was uh, all but bankrupt. Mm. And I, had, I was on that board at that period of time. Well, anyway, the chamber went to organizations like Cotton Carnival and, and the opera and the symphony and said, you know, suggest some board members for us for this new society. And they asked me if I would represent one of be one of the representatives for carnival, and I said yes. So that started in 1974. Uh, it started and it opened up what is what was then the Cook Convention Center,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: is now the New Renaissance Center. Yes,
0: uh,
1: but it was our big uh, convention center, and we're opening up just as uh, the King assassination happened a few years before, and we're just going in to one of the worst recessions in in the country's history in the early 70s. Terrible timing, terrible everything. So um, the society asked me to, to, they elected me to be treasurer, which would allow me to step up to be president of Memphis in May in 1977. So, but after they opened the Cook Convention Center, there was no money at the Chamber of Commerce. And there was no money downtown. I mean, we were in a terrible situation. Everybody in the country was in a recession. We were in a depression.
0: Mm.
1: So basically nothing happened with Memphis and May for two years. And yeah. so the in, in 76, I started thinking about, well, my name's on the door to be president of this thing next year. I better be thinking about it. Well, there was a the guy at the chambers that said, you know, I mean, you could kill Memphis in May and, and nobody's done anything for two years. Nobody would care.
0: Wow.
1: And I said, well, you know, and I my name's on the door. Let me think if I can figure <laughs> out something that might work. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I was very interested in since the chamber was going broke, they weren't doing any economic development. Zero. And so nobody in town was doing any economic development. And so I said, anything that I do is going to be economics. Now, i pull together an economic engine, how am I gonna do that? Well, first of all, I wanted to change the name uh, from economic, economic, from Memphis May International Festival Society. I wanted to get rid of the word society. I love the word international. I wanted to work on that. And I started thinking about, well, what if we, how do we use that name? What if we go to another country, honor another country? Mm-hmm. A country might have the opportunity to come to the United States and in, and if they like what we did for them, maybe they, if they were going to invest here. Maybe they th- would consider their friends. So that was the whole idea there. Is that a good idea? Well, a friend of mine at the Cotton Council said, would you like to go to the State Department uh, in DC and talk to the you know, various people at the State Department and the Commerce Department and the Agriculture Department to see whether or not they think it's a good idea? So I said, absolutely. So I went up. And, and met with them and I remember the guy at the Japan desk at, um, at the State Department and he heard the idea and I said, what do you think of it? He said, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. He said, they're going to have to start investing here because the balance of trade is so large that it's just going to happen. So the timing is right. And so when I looked at him and I said, well, do you have any money? And they said, no, we don't have any money. You you have to go find that yourself. I said, great, we're a bankrupt city, chamber and everything else. There's no money available. So um, I come back to Memphis and start thinking about, you know, how do we build around that? How do we start funding that? Um, But I left something out. Before I went to D.C., I had met with the international people at Memphis State, Mm-hmm. And at Southwestern at Memphis, which is now Rogues, oh, and talk to them about the idea of honoring a country. And then how do we honor the country and do we do more than one country a year? Do we get greedy or do we put all the efforts into one? Well, we put all the efforts into one and that's what we did. So, so I said, OK, international, fine. That's going to take a while to get a country in here and then ask them to invest. And then it might take two or three, four years. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, the the short-term strategy is let's build Memphis character events. What would bring people downtown? Initially bring them downtown because everybody was afraid to come downtown because of people, the riots and people getting killed in the street and so forth. So um, nothing had happened down here in all those years. And so um, I said, you know, it's time. And we ought to build it around music and whatever else we consider is, you know, is Memphis, Mm -hmm. that we've been people from East Memphis and then the region and then the country and then internationally by the fifth year. You know, when you're young and we were all we were all 25 to 33 years old uh, with no money, but just (laughs) just brains and lots of excitement and just like you are at. Your age, uh, <laughs> a lot of vigor, a lot of excitement, vision, you know, that's that's what built the country and that's what built Memphis and May. And so I went about going out and finding these young people to be a part of this organization. And I went to Harold Shaw. I called Harold, who is this African American guy that I told you about that I met at the football game in 1971. Mm-hmm. See, he, I was not going to do a Memphis MA without it being a diverse organization. I was not going to do it because I'd been a part of one that didn't work well. And I said, for the whole city, everybody needs to be involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll make people feel like they are a part of their city. And so I call Harold and I say, Harold, meet me at the little tea shop downtown. (laughs) So we, uh, we have lunch downtown and I pitch him on my idea. And he looks at me across the table and says, Lyman, y'all going to listen? (laughs) What he meant was, you white boys going to listen. I'm saying, Harold, we're going to listen. I'm telling my friends, we're not talking race. We're not talking politics. We're talking economic development, where we can all work together to try to create jobs for our families and for the future. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's, that's what we're doing. That's the only thing that we're doing. And I've told my white friends the same thing, that we're going to be sitting around the table together trying to, trying to create something that'll, that'll help save the city. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay. Um, and I said, Harold, you can bring anybody you want. He said, okay, I'm going to bring George Brown. And I said, well, who's George Brown? Well, he's a lawyer and he's on the school board. I said, great. Who else are you bringing? No, I'm just bringing George. <laughs> I said, Carol, there's no quotas here. You can bring as many people as you want to sit around the, the table, the initial meeting. No, I'm just bringing George. I understand what he was doing. So I didn't understand then, but I understood all these years later. He was testing me whether or not we were going to be, um, wh- whether he thought that we were being real or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
1: so we go to, the, they all come to the first meeting. It more than maybe 12 people, 10 or 12 people there. Um, and they like what they heard. And so after the meeting, you know, we're kind of milling around down at the dais. And they, they come down and said, you know, we really like what we hear. We want to bring Dr. Mojavon Hooks. And I said, great. Who's Mo- Dr. Moser Von Hooks? Well, she's an educator and she's a. Did you know her? No. no. Oh my gosh. You missed an incredible woman. An international woman um, studied at the Sorbonne. She got her PhD in, 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 in international and education at UT, masters at Columbia. And I said, please bring her. So they, like, three, they come to the next meeting. And and Dr. Hook says, do you know what you all have here? We said, well, we, we're going to, we're working on it. And, <laughs> and she said, no, what an opportunity to educate all the children in the schools about a different country every year. Yes. And we said, oh my gosh, since we were not educators, none of us even glimmer of hope on that. And it just like, oh my gosh. I said, Dr. Hooks, you're the chairman. We'll help you raise the money. And you can get anybody on your committee that you want on that committee. Mm-hmm. And she said, Okay. And so she she went out of that door as chairman. And George Brown, being on the school board, helped to push that thing through the school board. So every year, and they're still doing it 44 years later. So not, Uh, they put on a program for most of the school children for the month of May on the honored country, all aspects of the culture and the business, the music, et cetera, et cetera, of the foreign country. So these kids, they, they learn about 10 or 12, uh, depending on if they're middle school or high school. They, they learn about uh, so many countries by the time they get out of school. Mm -hmm. just a marvelous thing and then i don't know how many years ago maybe 20 years ago they started uh, doing exchange programs kids would have to write essays and so then they would select i think there's 12 or 14 kids every year that go to the honored country and then the honored country has 12 or 14 that comes to memphis and studies here what an opportunity Just what an opportunity. Yeah. What I've always been disappointed in is we didn't have a hundred kids going. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We needed a hundred or as many as we could possibly get. It gets down to sponsors. Anyway, that's, that's me saying, oh, I wish we had, you know, 10 times more than we got right now, but so glad these kids have had the opportunity to do that. So Dr. Hooks had that idea, excuse me. And in in my estimation, now in these forty plus years, sooner,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think almost two million kids have been touched by that education.
0: Wow! Now
1: think about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it, amazing! It, it's amazing.
1: amazing, and I wish we had more uh, public relations on on it and what that does and what it has done. The organization has won all kind of awards for the education program but I wish more people in the city would know about it. And I wish more yeah. sponsors would step up and say, I'd sponsor 10 kids. I'd sponsor 10 kids. I, you know, to go to the country. Right. It just feels the international aspect of us. And what's the best educator? Suna, what's the best educator?
0: Definitely. Look, interactions, experience, travel. Yes. Oh my
1: gosh. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So that has been a phenomenon. It's just been a phenomenon.
0: Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sana, and I'm here with Mr. Lyman Aldrich, and we've been talking about the history, the origins, those early years of the Memphis and in May International Festival.
1: So now I'm going to back up. Who else is on that board? Uh, they're male, female. Uh, black and white, and, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and and they're all, as I said, they're all young, 25 to 32 years old, no money. We had no titles. We were not bank chairman. We were not mayors. We decided we we're going to do this on our own, use our own brains. We, we refused to accept money from the city, the state, and the county.
0: Wow. It's
1: all privately funded, even today.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: that's amazing. We just went out and knocked on doors and say, you know, we got to, these are good ideas we have to save the city. Yes. And so we'll we'll be part of it. You know? And what it ended up being is that we brought thousands of thousands of people downtown year in and year out. But I'll get to that in a minute. When I came back from DC, a uh, guy at the chamber said, you know that that there is a Japanese company here in Memphis? And I said, Nope. <laughs> they said, well, it's Datsun Forklift. Mm. And you, might, you know, they were part of Nissan, but it was the old Datsun name. It was out by Elvis's house. Would you want to see him? And I said, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so we go out, uh, make an appointment, go see these two wonderful gentlemen, uh, Iwata and takauchi Sons. And I told them what we were doing and that we were honoring their country And I said, I don't want to make any mistakes. You're the first country that we've honored. Will you be on our board of directors so we're not making any mistakes?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: yes. Never missed a meeting. They, um, two months before the festival, beginning of April, they said, would you come see me in our offices? And I said, of course. So, I go back out and they say, well, we've invited the ambassador to the United States for Japan to come to the Memphis in May. You're honoring us and we're bringing our ambassador. Wow. That scared the bejesus <laughs> out of
0: me. Wow. I'm
1: not sure that this state had ever had a visit from an ambassador. Nobody can tell me whether or not we had had. There has to be one. So, but, But anyway... It was so unusual that the Secret Service had to be here. The governor had to be here to welcome him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have any speaker at the, speaking at the uh, uh, Rotary at the time. They had 400 people, but uh, it's it really did. I, I just was almost speechless. Oh my gosh, with downtown, think about how bad downtown was.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: And you're going to have this wonderful guy who you're trying to get a lot of money out of to invest in your town. And the, and the downtown has collapsed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So anyway, at the, uh, at the end, they, the, of course they stayed on the board during that whole year. And at the end of the festival, I go back out at their invitation and they say the ambassador says to tell you that he's going to bring business to Memphis and to Tennessee. Oh my gosh. So that was the whole idea, right?
0: Yes.
1: I mean, if they follow through, you know, we're going to get jobs out of this. Yes. Well, then that is 1977. In 1978, a guy in Memphis by the name of Bill Morris. Bill Morris gets elected county mayor. Mm -hmm. Very vivacious, bright, uh, great salesman. Uh, and Bill gets elected county mayor. He's got this great idea that he wants to really do a lot for the city and the county. And then the next year, Lamar Alexander gets elected governor. So they immediately, in 79, they make their first trip to Japan, knocking on doors saying, you know, we really want to do business with you. Come do business with us. And so the next year, Sharp Electronics announced they were coming to Memphis and bringing 1,200 jobs. Wow! I mean that still gives me chills every time I say that because <clears throat> you you just hope and you pray, you know, that something like that will happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, now the, Lamar took the automobile plant to uh, Middle Tennessee cause <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> the soil was not good enough here in West Tennessee to to take those big machines that they had at the automobile plant mm. uh, so we missed that and it went to uh, central Tennessee and we got brother uh, was a printer of, of uh, at, at that time now they're doing other things but Sharp Electronics. I think we've got 10, I'm sorry, 15 in West Tennessee, Japanese companies.
0: Wow. Excuse me. I mean, that's just amazing though, to think, you know, you all had this vision as very, you know, excited young people, no money, but just a vision and a desire to create something special in this, to um, have a longer term vision. And I love that it was Economic development at the at the front and center, which I didn't know. I'm not sure how many of our listeners knew that. Because of course, now we think about Memphis and May and kind of what it is currently. Uh, but to for you to share kind of this part of the story so far uh, is really exciting because you all had a vision and it really turned into exactly what you were hoping for, which was bringing you know more jobs to the city. So that is so exciting.
1: God answers prayers yes. and you know we got we're, we're a bunch of young people that just had energy and hope and that they could do something for their city and this is the Memphis model that we want for the future to for young people to know that they can do it too whether it's in their city or another city in this country or in another city or community in another country that black white men and women, and japanese and every year we bring in another culture to work with us to try to do great things for our city and so we just didn't we didn't stop at just black white memphis men and women we said let's let's add let's add another country you know young people can do anything right Santa
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean
1: think about it Well, you can you let your brain go and get excited about it and you can do anything
0: absolutely
1: and we prove that
0: (laughs) yes yes so tell me more about this first festival Um, so what was included (coughs) under you know memphis in may international festival 1977 honoring japan um what were the events then
1: think about how poor memphis was then (laughs) everybody the government everybody was poor and so what do young people do? They figure out a way to get it done is what oh, they yeah. did. And what we did, we had, we had this events committee, that Rodney Baber, young guy that was a friend, a lot of energy and a lot of creativity. And what we did, we, was, we were really smart. We said, where are we gonna have these meetings? Well, let's go to the bar, let's go to a bar. <laughs> and Overton Square was getting started then and it was more fun and we'd go to the Bombay Bicycle Club and we'd go to the Public Eye, we'd alternate and on Thursdays we'd go have a couple of drinks and we would go back to their meeting room and then everybody was loose and they'd start throwing out ideas. That year, that year we created the Beale Street Music Festival, mm-hmm. the uh, Sunset Symphony, mm-hmm the memphis jazz festival at court square Mm -hmm. and then that same group the next year came up with the idea of the barbecue contest Mm. that group came up with the events and the education program that you see today that was all us in 77 and 78 9 and 80 and and so we put everybody took a i'll be chair of this i said i had all these chairmen and (laughs) <laughs> they brought people working with them. And then we opened it up to anybody that wanted to come and work and help. Um, anybody. There was there was Here again, there was no quotas, nothing. Everybody got along. We were there to get along and do something together. Mm. Not talk race or politics to create economic development. We were all on the same page, on the same wavelength. And you created these things and it was just fun. Yeah. I mean, the first year, um, the estimate is we brought 15,000 people downtown. Wow. Beale Street Music Festival was a two day festival and it had all the jazz guys and gals uh, from when they had to leave downtown when Beale Street closed. They were out all over the country, all over the world. Mm. And they came back. Uh, Irvin Salkey, uh, who was a lawyer here in town, put up the money to bring those guys and gals back. Phenomenal uh, that they came. It was the it was the first step to reopening Beale Street. Wow! And it was a two day festival. We charged two dollars, two dollars, <laughs> and then we had the Sunset Symphony and we charged nothing. Mm. The same way with the Jazz Festival. So we brought fifteen thousand people the first year. The second year we brought forty thousand people downtown. Wow. And the third year, we brought 100,000 people down
0: to it. Oh, my goodness.
1: See how fast that grew?
0: Yes. We, <laughs> wow. started,
1: we started with one volunteer, me. <laughs> and I think it was six years later, we had 2,500 volunteers.
0: Wow.
1: Young. Everybody was coming out of the woodwork to help. Everybody just was blown away by the excitement, the fun, the quality of the events. We got sponsors to sponsor, ended up being Bud, Budweiser and Coke and Canale family and Mm -hmm. um, all kind of of organizations here that said, you know, we want to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. It was, it was an amazing time. Wow.
0: I bet. I mean, it sounds so exciting. And really, I feel invigorated just listening to you, you know, retell this story, because it's so true. You know, especially young folks, you know, you have an idea, you're excited about it, and anything is possible. And you just, you know, come together and you make it happen. And, you know, thinking about Memphis in May, like, and what it is today, it's so amazing that it really came from, you know, your idea, a group of young people, just really, you know, with that belief that of course it's gonna happen. Of course we can do this.
1: Of course you can do it. And that's what we want this next generation to do. We and then and, and as I mentioned, it can happen anywhere, but you gotta you gotta get them together and you gotta you gotta charge them with. It was done in Memphis after the King assassination, which has to be the worst of times Mm -hmm. for any city. Mm -hmm. And eight years later, you're saying, well, what can we do to climb out of the doldrums? Mm -hmm. And then you get a bunch of creatives sitting around and they're saying, oh, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this. We just had to hold people and ideas back. You know, you could only do so much, but, but it was, a, it was just a phenomenon here again, you know, God's hand does move. I mean, I don't know how all that happened. We didn't have money. We had bad relationship- bad race relationships. King was assassinated. You know, we didn't know any international people. We, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> I mean, and then all of this just happened. It just happened.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, we're, we're all so glad that it did happen. And, you know, as you've kind of alluded to, you know, what you all were able to do in the 1970s is what young people today can do. And, you know, this story is, is the proof. And I know you've been doing some work on, or there is some work being done around kind of creating a documentary about everything you all did. Um, So could you share a little bit more about um, the documentary that's being made and some of the other projects you're involved with in bringing this story kind of to more people?
1: It's um, a labor of love for a number of the past presidents and co-founders way back to say, the story can't be lost. Mm -hmm. The story needs to be out there and and to, to be a help of People in so many towns that that do need to to do some things for their community. It also is the story, the answer to a lot of the questions today. Suna, mm-hmm. the question of the day is: How do people get along these yes. days? You know, how do I how do I sit down with somebody that doesn't look like me and and how do I how do we communicate? How do we do that? And so we did that, and and it is. Is nothing magic about it except I called Harold and said, Harold, this is something we have to do together.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You do it together. And, and that's, that's how, that's the story that needs to be told uh, because we created great success for the city, all the things that we did. And, and, uh, and, all the businesses that were created, and I'll give you just one example. Japan, after Lamar and Bill went over and came back with those first two com- companies, there are 200 Japanese companies in the state of Tennessee. Wow. They hire 55,000 Tennesseans to work for. Didn't it blow your mind?
0: Yes. From that really ambassador
1: does. coming to Memphis? <laughs> In 1977, I mean, it, it just blows my mind that those kind of things can happen. If you've got the right people involved and, and lots of excitement and, and thinking about it, it can happen. It might not be economic development in every community. It might be something else that they need of the community. And these young people get together and said, you know, we can solve that problem. We can solve that problem but we get together and do it. We have fun doing it.
0: We'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on 91.7 FM. I'm Sana, and I'm here with Mr. Lyman Aldrich. We've been talking about the early years of the Memphis in May International Festival, how it all came together. And Mr. Aldrich is sharing with us that a documentary is going to be created about this history. The documentary is Rebirth on the River. Yeah.
1: So what we're wanted will do with the documentary is to tell the story. And so the story will be exciting for people to say, you know, I need that in my country. I need that in my state. We've been asked by three different countries for this story because it's a story of how do we get people to work together? Mm -hmm. How do we get people to work together? And so that's what we want people to learn. We don't want the story to be lost. We want it to be something that excites people to say, wow, it can be done. And so we put the documentary out there we want to we want to be here in memphis of course we'll premiere here and then the, the idea that i had uh, right at the beginning of the show i told you i want to tell you about where are we going to do with that documentary i want to premiere it internationally in two countries japan and south korea mm. because japan was the first country we we need to to go over there and say memphis We were the first to honor you. We want you to come back. We've honored Japan twice, by the way, the first and the 10th year. Want you to come back. Let's set up a sister city relationship. Let's set up a a business exchange. Let's do trade missions back and forth every other year, each country, so we can have more Japanese companies here. So we make that presentation in uh, in Japan. And by the way, our... um, our new senator from Tennessee is the former ambassador to Japan, mm-hmm. Haggerty, Bill Haggerty, mm-hmm. who has the relationships, who can set these things up. Then, because of what I told you at the beginning of the of your program is Innovation SK, South Korea. Yes. So you leave Tokyo and we go to Seoul, South Korea, and we say, we want to welcome you to Memphis with your major investment. We want, we want to help you any way we can. What can we do together to help you and help you bring other South Korean companies to West Tennessee? So you're building a group of South Koreans that are in West Tennessee, but they can share their cultures, Mm -hmm. the culture with each other. That's what Japan does. They go and might be one that came in back in 78, 79, and 80, but now they're 200, and the families work. They have their culture, they have schools language schools, et cetera, et cetera. And those are the kinds of things that can grow. You can have sister city relationships. It's just, and another thing you do is you ask them for a major cultural event, the art exhibit that they could bring to your city. Mm -hmm. That's what's in the back of our mind at Revival Memphis uh, with what we'll do with the, the documentary that's called Rebirth on the River. That's what we want to do, not just to have a documentary that you see at one time at WKNO and it's on the shelf forever. We plan to promote it to every PBS station in the country. I don't know how many we'll get to, but we're planning to do that. We have we'll have an asset that tells this great story of people coming together and working very successfully in the worst of times, Mm -hmm. in the worst of times. Yes
0: so important and so relevant to today as, you know, these questions of how can we work together um, continue to come to the forefront. And as you mentioned, this group of you know, excited, visionary young folks in the 1970s can tell us a lot about how in 2022, you know, we can still come together and work towards a common goal and have fun while we do it. And I think that's so key to why you all were successful, where it was like, hey, we're gonna just throw out any idea we have, we're gonna be supportive of it, we're gonna figure out how to do it, uh, we're gonna have some fun <laughs> while we do it, Uh, And I think that makes the difference when folks are able to say, here's a common goal that's going to benefit all of us, right, economic development in Memphis, particularly at that time, that's going to benefit everyone and everyone's voice and input is important as we craft out this vision for what our city, you know, could look like.
1: You, you are, you are so right on. I'm glad you got what you just told me from what I've told you so far. But there's one more aspect of this is that we're putting together a a lesson plan and I call it the Memphis model. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's the lessons of how do you work together? What did we, what did we have to deal with? Oh yeah. Uh, How did we, how did we solve the problems all having to do with getting along with one another? Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we're going to be promoting to, we want it to be age appropriate from, from children in, as young as three years old mm-hmm. through college, through, through leadership groups, yeah. excuse me, and through corporations or anybody that's that's working with a a diverse workforce mm-hmm. or student body or whatever, they all deal with the same problems that we dealt with back in in 1976, 7, 8, 9, da da, 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 da. And so we, we just figured out how we could work together and and have fun doing it and remain friends for forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, that's the Memphis model. Those are the lessons that we're going to be promoting um, all over the country and to countries all over the world. Because you back to, again, I've heard it three times this week that diversity is not a thing anymore. Nobody... Wants to be diverse anymore, and I'm saying, oh my gosh, that is that's that is a key to how we all get along together. You mm-hmm. got to figure out how you can do that. Well, if we can do just a little bit from the lessons that we have and the documentary uh, in the years to come to help other communities, organizations see that it can work, then we have we've really made uh, great progress as far as in my to humanity is my in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's so necessary, um, as you mentioned, for for young children. And I love that age starting out at three is so important, um, all the way up to you know folks who are in in the workforce, um, because we all are you know interacting um, across races, ethnicities, culture, um, sexual orientation, and a variety of different ways um, that we are distinct and diverse from one another. And so it is important to understand how we can use, you know, the Memphis model uh, to work together and to create positive social change. So I love that this is going to be made into a curriculum um, to go along with uh, the documentary as well. So necessary.
1: May I comment on that? Yes. The University of Memphis is helping us. We're, we're collaborating with how to develop the curriculum mm-hmm. for the curricula because there's got to be age appropriate. It's got to be all kinds of things. And so, so we're we're just beginning to to figure out how we can do that together, because uh, this is this is a new this is new to, to all of us. But uh, we know we don't have that ability on um, developing curriculum, but mm-hmm. somebody like the university would and they can be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Uh, there's another thing that just popped up just recently as I was talking to to Kurt until I was talking to uh, uh, some some people in your um, your foundation and in economic development at the uh, at the chamber of commerce, but back to the university. Uh, in, in speaking with your CFO Raj Kurupate, uh, Raj says, <clears throat> "I want to recruit in all of those countries that you're talking about: mm. Japan, South Korea, India, and you know all of the." Countries countries that, that have the ability to send really smart, good students to the University of Memphis. And we use the documentary as a door opener to say mm-hmm. Memphis accepts, we've been accepting people since 1977. And so we're delighted to have you. Mm-hmm. And so that's gonna be used to do that. And also it's gonna be used as far as economic development is concerned with the chamber to open the doors, to say, we've honored you in the past, We want to continue honoring you. Come back and see us. Let's have business exchanges every year.
0: I love that. I mean, so much. I mean, again, just to think of how Memphis in May started with really the determination to create something. Right. Because as you mentioned in that those early years, um, you were told, hey, if you don't do anything, you know, as president of of Memphis in May, it'll be okay" because of the economic conditions um, of that time. But to see what has grown from that over the decades, it truly is inspirational
1: well I'm glad you see that as a as a person your age it it um, it certainly was for us to do that it was it was very inspirational Um, so many things came out of it it's just it's this it would the documentary will take um, probably an hour and a half maybe to do we're still going to leave a whole lot out Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's so many things that people can get inspired by we were as one of our past presidents says you know we were we were a place where creativity took place Mm. the education program do you know we do a a poster for the honored country each year the fine arts poster yes a young woman came to me back in 1978 and said I've I'm I'm Young, I'm poor, I'm a marketing director at one of these local banks, but I can't find well, I can't explore, afford good art, but <clears throat> I want good art. She said, What about this thing about let's let's get a art an artist from Memphis each year to depict what they think the foreign country is art wise, mm-hmm. and then we'll make posters and sell them and so you can make money. Oh, I said, Oh <clears throat> Carla Meisterman. I said, Carla, God, what a, <clears throat> excuse me, what a great idea. I said, you're chairman. We're going to help you raise the money and you can get anybody to work on it as you could, as you want. We now have 40 incredible paintings from local artists. Just, that's just for um, you know, the, the country itself. Beale Street Music Festival has George Hunt's originals yeah. and there must be 30 of them. And just an incredible idea. And here again, she said, what Nevesame was a place for young people to come and create. Mm. Another, It's another lesson to learn. And we didn't have money. So you you don't have to go have your hand out to a government to fund it. You can do it on your own if your idea is good enough. Mm -hmm. That's another lesson for all ages. You don't have to have your hand out all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. And just the importance of having a place for young people to create, whether through ideas or through art itself, so important as well.
1: Yeah. And then and her whole committee had an incredibly good time getting that thing started. And uh, I go to all the unveilings. I've been to all the unveilings. I think maybe every one of them, but just to see the, the painting and to meet the artist. And to tell them how it started, that this young woman, when she was 25 or six or something like that, comes up and says, here's an idea that will put art in it. Suna, those, those posters are all over the world.
0: Yes.
1: The Memphis name is all over the world because of those posters. All over Embassy Row in, um, in D.C. and in every every capital, all 39 of them, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Pretty, pretty amazing reach that this group of young people had, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is absolutely, I mean, it's, unbe- it's re- truly unbelievable, um, so important to the city, and I am so happy to hear that this documentary is being made. That this history is being recorded, so that we can, you know, that we can enjoy it and we can have even more pride in our city. Uh, do you have an idea of when you'll start doing screenings of the documentary, or when the documentary will be completed?
1: We are working on the the preliminary part of it right now. Our trailer, sizzler, some people call it, uh, should be finished in a week. Oh wow! And with that, with that, we're going to use it to go to interested people uh, for the funding of the documentary uh, and the lesson plans. And so, depending on when we—excuse have... me, that was my board of director. I, I, I... Excuse me. <laughs> Please, your radio listeners. There's another dog outside, so. Uh
0: um,
1: So we're hoping. I'm hoping. Quite frankly, that we have the documentary done either last quarter of this year or first quarter of next year. Okay. So the end of 22 or the beginning of 23, because it's funding and then the completing the script and getting the music score in place. Um, and we want it to be a great music score since Memphis is a great music town.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: we're to get the right people to do the score and put all the music in it. That reflects Memphis from the time the cotton was picked until what you see today. And so that's gonna make it a fun, exciting kind of an aspect of what was a serious kind of an endeavor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we will definitely be on the lookout for the completed projects sometime at the end of this year or early next year. Mr. Aldrich. it has been such a pleasure to have you here with us this morning. Thank you Thanks, so man. much for sharing the story of Memphis in May and in your experience and also for telling us, you know, what's next. Um, thank you so much.
1: Can I say one more thing?
0: Of course.
1: The name of our organization is is Revival Memphis, and it's a 501c3 that's going to be producing the movie that's called Rebirth on the River. So it's Revival Memphis and Rebirth on the River, and um, the the, uh, website is revival-memphis.org.
0: Awesome. So for listeners, you want to find out more and be on the lookout for that sizzler of the documentary. Um, I'm sure you can find more on the website. So thank you again, Mr. Lyman Aldrich.
1: Thank you so much, Saina. Enjoyed it very much.
0: Wow. So much history that Mr. Lyman Aldrich shared with us this morning. It was truly an honor to have him talk about, you know, those early years of the Memphis in May International Festival. I don't know about you, but even though I am a Memphian, uh, raised here, you know, University of Memphis alum, I had never heard this history before. I guess I just took for granted that Memphis in May just exists and, of course, enjoy the barbecue and the music and, you know, everything else that is involved in this month-long celebration. Um, But it was so good to hear the history because that's a reminder of what you know, young people can do what a group of people who are excited and who have a vision who come together to work together can accomplish. I mean, it really is inspiring. And I think it is a story worth telling and worth repeating, not just to other folks, but also to ourselves. Uh, because Memphis is often, you know, sometimes we can be hard on ourselves and, and we get bad press, but this is something for us to be really proud about. I mean, think about the countless jobs that have been created through Memphis in May, the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been brought to the city, and then of course Memphis being on, uh, you know, an international stage as well. A lot to be proud of. So I wanted to leave you with a positive note that, you know, I couldn't help but think about as I was listening to Mr. Aldrich share this this history. And that's the quote that says, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And you know, that's that's me, that's you. That that's can that can be us um, getting excited, having a vision, working together, and who knows what that might lead to, just like that group of young folks back in the 1970s. Look at what it has led to. I cannot wait until the documentary comes out, Rebirth on the River. Again, so this story can be told to us as Memphians, but also around the world. Well, this has been Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7. If you missed some of this great interview, be sure to listen to the replay. It'll be archived on the show site on WYXR.org. And also subscribe to Let's Grab Coffee. It's available in podcast format wherever you stream podcasts. So you never have to miss an episode and you can re-listen as well. Well, I'm Sanaa and I hope you have a great week. I will see you back here next Monday.